The unexplained and paranormal world is seemingly all around us. No matter how many times you reassure yourself after checking the entire house with your AK-47 with the bazooka attachment on it, and after yelling around the house that you are ready to pack out whatever demon lies around the corner with the blammy pack, you still somehow feel just a little creeped out and think that something's watching you. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true and unexplained horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. An experience I won't forget by Caleb. I recently found your show and have really enjoyed the chilling stories you share. However, I have made a point to stick to more of your cryptid and camping stories as my wife and I only do ghost stories after one gets a little too real. I don't understand what happened, but getting other opinions might help us make more sense of it. My wife and I dated for two years over a long distance while I was out of state for school. And when I finished, we finally decided it would be best to have a face-to-face -face relationship. I moved her into my hometown, and starting from scratch with nothing, we moved into my sister's old room. Her family and I are all devout Christians, and her father was a Bible professor at a local university. So I never thought something like what occurred would happen. My girlfriend, now wife, had told me that her family had a few run-ins with paranormal occurrences over the years and I knew that her father had pagan and Christian relics in his office. Still, I never thought much about it as I had never experienced anything abnormal. That changed when one evening in the fall, we talked after dinner and told each other ghost stories we had heard over the years. Again, I never experienced anything paranormal and never thought I would, but I found the stories chilling and exciting. I don't know if we talked about this subject too long that night or what happened, but I think I said something along the lines of, I almost wish I'd experienced a haunting, for whatever reason, but we should have taken these stories more seriously than we did. We all went to bed like usual that night and my wife and her sister went to my wife's room, her parents went to their room, and the dogs in the living room. It left me alone in my sister's room. Her sister's room was unfamiliar to me and a little unnerving as she had a lot of old dolls from her childhood on the shelf facing the bed, so I typically left the door open where all the hall lights could shine in. I could feel in the back of my mind that I was still half asleep, so I spent a few seconds trying to get my eyes to focus and my mind to start fully working. By the time I was completely conscious and out of my fog, the figure was no longer there. As if I had blinked and it was gone. Thoroughly spooked, I chalked it up to being half asleep and seeing things and tried to go back to sleep. Later that next day, my wife and I were going about our day and I could tell that something was really off. She wasn't as upbeat and seemed more on edge than usual. Whenever I would ask about this, she would attribute it to something else that was going on entirely. On a hunch, I told her about what I had seen and experienced that past night, trying to make it out as a choke. She didn't laugh but looked right at me and told me something had also happened to her. She told me that at one point during the night, she got cold and tried to pull her heavy comforter over her more fully, but it felt like it was stuck on something. She pulled and pulled and began calling out her sister's name, who was sleeping on the floor nearby. They turned on the lamp on the nightstand and saw that the corner had been tucked into one of the drawers of the nightstand. 
This would seem innocent enough, but the nightstand was a half a foot away from the bed and definitely wouldn't happen naturally. This has never happened before and never has it happened since. From the best my wife and I could figure out, what she experienced and what I had must have happened around the same time of night and correlated together somehow. I told her father the next day and he and I went and examined the area of the hallway where I saw the figure. There was nothing noteworthy that we could find outside of this relic-filled office that was behind a door. I lived there for quite some time after this and didn't really experience anything else that I could really mention to you, nor did any of the family pets act abnormally. However, from then on, my wife and I stopped watching movies or telling stories about the paranormal. My hopes in writing into your show today, Mr. Swamp Dweller, is that somebody listening to this in the comments may have something similar they've experienced. Someone else may have some insight into what may have happened that night, although I'm not sure I want to know. This is the first time I've typed this story out or gone over it thoroughly, and I dearly hope this was a good decision. Haunted Apartment by Tal Hello, Swamp Dweller. I just started watching your show last week and have been enjoying your videos. Here is one of my stories I would like to share. For some time, I lived in a third world country in South Asia while I was a missionary for the churches from 2017 to 2019. It was early on in my service and I shared an apartment with three other missionaries. Our apartment was pretty beaten up and definitely old. About a month before I arrived, the woman who lived next door sadly committed suicide. When my roommates told me this, I didn't really overthink it. But over the first week living there, we all noticed a change in the overall vibe in our place. It seemed to be darker, colder. We were all pretty lighthearted and laid-back people, but the vibes were just off. One night, while laying in bed, we heard a strange noise. For context, our apartment had a spacious living room, a dining room, and a small kitchen in the front of the apartment. Turning left would lead you to the back, where you would find two rooms and two bathrooms. There was also a room that was connected to the kitchen. It was boiling and humid, and we only had one AC fan installed in the more enormous back bedroom. So we all moved our beds in there to sleep, each one of our beds against the room's four walls with the door in the corner. So we began to hear noises coming from outside our room. We would hear footsteps as well as the switches to the fans being turned on and off repeatedly. One night, we even heard our iron fall to the ground. When we ran out to see what happened, it wasn't right next to the ironing board, but it was on the kitchen floor as if someone had thrown it. We were pretty freaked out, but none of us were ever alone, seeing that this was a rule that we agreed and followed for our two years service that we never broke. We were always with our companion. Me being the youngest and the one with the least experience, I was pretty scared. Not to mention homesickness, I come from a middle-class family in a small town on the west side of the United States, so I was beginning to feel pretty depressed and have a sense of someone watching me. One of the other missionaries in my apartment was a native of this country and only had two months until he went home. We will call him D. He noticed my depression and took me under his wing. The other two people were from England and California, respectively. I was companions with the British missionary, who we will call B, and we will call the fourth, J. So one night, as we were all sleeping, D had woke up from a cold breeze. He looked over at my bed and swore he saw a woman in a shawl hovering over my bed. 
He tried to yell and get up from his bed, but could not move or speak, almost like he was in some sort of paralysis. He was terrified. The woman sat there looking at me and stroking my face. She suddenly looked up at D, and he blacked out. The next day, he told us what had happened. I believed him, and B and J did not. Fast forward two months of similar spooky things going down, and D eventually leaves and goes home. N from Utah arrives, and we become friends instantly. One day, I told them about the woman next door, and he was skeptical about her ghost taunting us. But as time went by, with continued unexplainable things going down, we all felt kind of eerie. One evening, the property manager is in the apartment next door cleaning. We hear him talking and a woman's voice is replying. However, it was all said in one of the country's 20 plus languages, which we did not speak. Suddenly, he runs out of the apartment. We go up to the roof as we were not allowed to explore the city that night and watch him from above as he goes to a cemetery a block away and jumps over the gate. He begins digging things up and running around the cemetery like a madman screaming. Uh, we had no idea what to do and eventually just went inside, occasionally hearing him and others yelling. This man then left and we never, ever saw him again. I think he quit. A few weeks later, we were still hearing noises and footsteps and then one day the dead woman's son came, packed up all her stuff and left. As soon as he did, we all felt like lighter. It felt like everything just basically stopped. The strange occurrences were no more, and the apartment was all, like, brighter. It's hard to explain. I believe that woman's ghost was haunting the apartment, and the building, and the people, and all that good stuff. I have many more stories from before my time in this country that would go well with your other featured content, but I'll send those in at another day. Always be aware and alert. By Dame W. Hey everyone, I am 19 years old and I live in the very southeast area of Washington State near the Blue Mountain Range. The story took place in a valley I used to live in and live less than 45 minutes away from it to this very day. This story took place when I was around 12 and it's not the most intense story but trust me it still leaves me terrified to this day and I swear I can still see this thing every once in a while at the corner of my eye. Anyways, I have been listening to Swamp Dweller's stories for quite some time when it made me feel the same dread as I did that day when coming across this thing. I had been walking home in a very well-lit and populated area where I live. I walked down the final street before turning onto my family's private road. As I was walking, I was crossing the street that came off Main Street to my house, but then I felt dread that I had never felt before wash over me. So I stopped in the middle of the dark but it was lit by a streetlight when I started making a complete 360 of my surroundings. That's when my gaze came upon the dark side of the street that I was standing at the top of. At first I stood there scared and sweating bullets, looking for anything to explain how I felt, but there was nothing to attribute it to. So even through my dread and paranoia, I took about 10 steps toward the pure darkness. Just then every feeling became 10 times worse. I stopped and... I was just waiting for anything to happen, anything to show itself. But eventually, I saw something in the orchard next to me, just a bit ahead. It was on all fours. It was utterly dark, like it was made of shadows standing about three to four feet. Then, as soon as I saw it, I felt like it looked towards me with no facial features. Just pure darkness. I, I was petrified. I can't even explain the feeling that it made me feel. 
It turned to the road bolting so fast that it was unreal. When it ran to the road, I got a more detailed look at this thing, being more scared than ever. Nothing, even my terrible experience made me feel as fearful as I was when I saw the figure so clearly. But as soon as it bolted across the street, it also disappeared instantly, like it was just a flash. Like it had just become a part of the light around us, like it was never there at all. I couldn't figure out what I saw that night, and I just started running to my house, never stopping, about a half mile all the way. I was out of breath, my lungs were on fire, my legs were aching, but I could not. I, I just could not look back behind me. I don't know what I saw that night, and even with all the stories I've listened to on the Swamp Dweller channel or anywhere online, I cannot find anything similar. If anybody listening to this story has any idea what I may have seen, please let me know in the comments. In 2009, I was interested in the paranormal, since I had many paranormal experiences growing up. I found a website that held ghost tours at the old Southwestern General Hospital. I was excited and ready to go on a ghost hunt. The group that held the ghost tour was named Ghost, or Ghost Hunters of South Texas. The group was professional, and they used many of the items that paranormal researchers used at the time. Before the tour, they showed us proof that they have captured in previous investigations while investigating the property. EVPs included a little boy saying, play with me please, and a woman with a southern accent responding to questions. The woman is said to be in an old time dress, and sometimes old time nurse attire. After the tour, the group said they were having openings for new members, and the new members would be tested and would be considered and maybe being part of the new team. I was quick to join and try out. I made the team. The team would have private group ghost hunts, so we would have the building to ourselves. The third floor was used as a hospice type of area. The building has four floors. The first, second, and fourth floor were left abandoned, and they look like a scene out of a horror movie. Hospital beds lay in rooms dusty and unused. Many had dates from 1995 and before. I even found a death log that had many names and dates. The most active areas were the fourth and second floor. The fourth floor had a baby nursery, and many rooms that were once used for families that would be welcoming new babies. One EVP that was caught in that area was one of crying babies. At the time the EVP was caught, there were no babies in the building, and it was after midnight sometime when it was caught. Also on the fourth floor, there was a long hallway with empty patient rooms. In that hallway, shadows were always seen running or moving. The second floor was an old area. Also, many shadow figures were seen in this area. When doing research on the deaths in the building, I came up with what looked like to be a nurse who was crushed to death when a malfunction with the elevator happened years ago. During the time I was a part of this group, we investigated this building tons of times. I might even care to say maybe over a hundred. I also led ghost tours in the building with other members. I witnessed shadows, disembodied voices, screams, and one time heard a female humming a song only to find the room empty and dark. I've seen videos of doors opening on their own with no wind or people in the building. Also, the third floor had employees that would see things and hear things very often. 
patients also complained of a kid running in their room or a man standing over their bed just looking at them, only to disappear. Over the years, I gained experience and loved what I did. As a group, we investigated many places such as schools, homes, and cemeteries in El Paso. We also got to investigate the old Asarco smelter before it was demolished several years later. I got to ghost hunt with people from Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International. I met many celebrities and the group had them take their own personal ghost tours. It was fun and I grew a thick skin for fearing anything that goes bump in the dark. One of my favorite places to investigate was Southwestern General Hospital. I never believed in being followed home. One night after investigating, I was at my apartment eating on my couch and watching TV. I had my hallway light on near the front door that was visible from where I was sitting. Suddenly, from the corner of my eye, I saw a shadow of a person on the wall near the door. I turned and saw the shadow in full form. It was about six foot tall and completely black. Then, not even a second later, the shadow moved as if it was running down my hallway to my bedroom. I froze in horror, thinking somebody was in my apartment. I got up and walked to my bedroom. Nobody was there. I searched the whole house up and down, and then I thought to myself, Maybe I'm just going crazy. I soon went to bed a few minutes later. It was probably about 3.20 a.m. when I felt my bed shaking. I woke up to my sheets being pulled off me very slowly and deliberately. I tried to move, but I just could not. My sheets slid very slowly off me towards the floor. I could not move, and I started to hear growling in my right ear. From the corner of my eye, I could see something moving near my head on the right of me. It was on my pillow. I can only see from the peripheral vision that it had hair. It was hairy and brown. If I could compare it to something, I would say Chewbacca from Star Wars type hair. It was moving, very slowly, but obviously very deliberately. It was growling as well. My eyes started to water up with tears. I tried to move my arm, but I just couldn't. I could only move my fingers. The blanket was still being pulled off me little by little until it hit the floor and I was no longer covered by my sheet. I felt the hairy thing moving right next to me and the growling grew louder. Then suddenly, I was able to sit up and I turned and looked to see what was there next to me. The hairy thing was gone, but I could see the imprint of where it had sat right next to me just a moment ago. It was the size of a full-grown cat. Then I looked around the room to gather my sanity. I don't own a cat. My sheet was on the floor, and my eyes were still watery. I asked myself, maybe it was just sleep paralysis. I found it hard to sleep that night, since I lived alone in that apartment. The next day I had a girl over to my apartment. I was seeing her from school. I was playing PlayStation and she asked if she could take a nap in my bed. I said of course. She went to my bed and fell asleep. Around 20 minutes later, she suddenly came back to my living room in tears. She said, uh, I have to leave now. I asked her what was happening and what was wrong. What she said shocked me. She said that something shook the bed and woke her up. She could not move, and then something was growling and started getting close to her ear. Then the bed went down as if somebody lied down next to her. She tried to scream for me and could not. Then she felt as if somebody was breathing on her neck as the growling grew louder. She said it lasted about two minutes, and then she was finally able to move. Once she was able to move, she ran to me in the living room. After she explained this, 
I grabbed her stuff and helped her leave. I did not tell her what happened to me the night before, but I had that same exact experience. And what happened to her was enough proof that something was not right. I could not explain what was happening. First thing that came to mind that something probably followed me home from the hospital. After a few days, all the activity suddenly stopped. Only when I would go in on investigations, I would see shadows in my apartment, and then they would just go away. I loved what I did, and the only time I feared the paranormal was this moment. I no longer ghost hunt, and the group no longer gets together. Southwest General Hospital was purchased and is now remodeled and is in use. I can only imagine what the employees of the LTAC go through by being in that building. Every now and then I drive down Cotton and pass the building. I miss the days of being part of Ghost El Paso. If you are ever in El Paso after stopping by at Chico's Tacos, be sure to pass by the old building by the Star on the Mountain formerly known as Southwest General Hospital. To start this story, we need to jump back to 2013. My husband and I were separated, and I would often pull away from everyone in my life. All in all, I was extremely lonely and dealing with a lot. My therapist recommended meeting new people through meetup groups, so I gave it a shot. I joined a paranormal meetup group and attended my one and only ghost hunt. Overall, it was kind of silly, but the inn that hosted the event is historically beautiful. The place also has a tragic backstory of an unsolved murder of two teenage girls in the 1970s. I was traumatized at this point in my life, so a lot of the details are blurry. But basically, we split into small groups and explored the small property. We then conducted Ouija board sessions. I was surprised when we experienced activity. You are probably thinking that it was all a setup. I would have too, but the activity was directed at me. The first thing that happened was through the EVPs. A childhood nickname that I have not used in many decades was Sed. Then, another name was repeated multiple times through the EVP and through the Ouija board. And finally, my name was spelled when asked who they are talking to. The other name was common, and it meant nothing to me at the time. The next morning, I learned the suicide of one of my cousins. I'd grown up with this cousin, and we had been extremely close to childhood, Living on opposite sides of the country though, we had not seen each other in such a long time. She had taken her life while I was on my hunt. The name that played on repeat was her father's. She had passed when we were children. I feel like my uncle was reaching out, using childhood nicknames to warn me of the death of my cousin. I have not shared my story before, but I do have this one interesting experience that I have not been able to come up with an explanation for ever since it happened. I like to think of myself as a cynic when it comes to the paranormal. I want to believe in it, however, I'm not religious and will not convince myself until I know for certain that there is no scientific explanation for the happenings, and this is the closest I can think I have ever gotten. My family decided we should go on an organized ghost hunt at the neighboring town. It was late at night and there were three sections to this. The first involved using a Ouija board type thing with a glass. Nothing happened on this one. The second involved trying to reach out to spirits in a dark room. 
nothing happened in this one either. The experiences come from the third section, which was an incredibly old courtroom, and we used technology. Firstly, there were digital thermometers set up, and one of our family members was sat below one. These thermometers flash when temperatures spontaneously drop from room temperature, supposedly a sign of ghost. Suddenly, this family member jumped up, sort of spooked and moved seats while the organizers were explaining to us what we were going to do. He proclaimed he felt something very cold and tingly. Lo and behold, the thermometer was also flashing and showing exceptionally low temperatures right by where he was sat. That was odd enough, but the second experience was just as odd. I was in a room by myself with my uncle. I had an EMF meter that lit up in the presence of an electromagnetic field. I do not know how these devices work, but I do know that they do. However, I do not know how legitimate the specific one I was holding was. I have my own at home and it does react to real electrical sources such as my PC and plug outlets, etc. The other device I was using was something called the spirit box, which was supposed to detect words ghosts were saying and read them out. This device did not convince me at all and I'm still not fully convinced by it, but it certainly was curious. I also was asking questions and the EMF meter was flashing in accordance with these questions. It seemed to work, but there was no telling whether it was legitimate or not. However, I wanted to push the boundaries of yes and no questions to see how realistic it actually was. If a ghost was real, surely it can answer any binary question if I gave it two options and the corresponding number of flashes on the EMF meter for the answers, not just a yes or no. So I did. I asked aloud, are you a man or a woman? Flash one for man, flash twice for woman. At the time, I was not convinced this would work as I was skeptical. However, the EMF meter flashed twice. And then, within five seconds of that, the spirit box displayed and read out the word female. Two completely independent devices simultaneously confirmed the answer I supposedly got. That was a big deal for me, and still is to this day. I cannot figure out an explanation for that, and the two devices remained consistent for the entire session. I truly hope for the existence of something beyond life, and I hope this was my first glimpse at some actual proof for myself. I would like to start by saying that while I am interested in the paranormal, I tend to be skeptical and prefer to think things out rationally before dismissing every little thing as a ghost or the like. This experience, however, has no logical explanation I can think of. I am new here, and as well, I apologize in advance if I'm not doing this correctly. So let's get into this. I was 17 and it was mid-October, nearing Halloween. My family had gone to a small rural town to meet up with some good friends. We were going to get dinner and catch up for old times sake as my siblings and I had grown up with the children of the other families. After dinner, the parents stayed at the bar drinking and those of us who were not of legal drinking age were starting to get a little bored. That is when one of my friends brought up the local cemetery. Apparently there is a cemetery in this town that is said to be haunted. I'm pretty positive that some ghost hunter paranormal type show did an episode about it or something, but the legends are said to have been around since before that. The story goes that a group of teenage boys were wandering into the graveyard one Halloween night with the intention of causing trouble and maybe stirring up some spooky ghost action 
in celebration of Halloween. After messing around for a while with no unexplained phenomena, they decided to sit in on top of the mausoleum, which is basically just a big tomb built up around a coffin instead of burying it in the ground. They were about to call it quits and head home when suddenly, unseen hands seemed to push one of the boys off the top of the tomb and into the ground. All the boys were obviously scared and hightailed it out of there, all of them feeling an eerie, ominous energy following them around for weeks after the incident. There have also been numerous reports of orbs, headstones inexplicably moving or disappearing altogether, ghostly apparitions, inscriptions being changed, flashes of light, strange noises, the whole works. I, of course, was more than excited to check it out. We arrived at the cemetery well after dark, and one of my girlfriends, we will call her Emma, and I were the only two brave ones enough to go in. We hopped right out of the car, careful to be as inconspicuous as we could since we did not want the police showing up and ruining our ghost hunting experience. We headed toward the entrance. It was chilly and a bit windy, as autumn in Wisconsin tends to be. We gripped each other's hands and started down the gravel path. As soon as we passed the fence that surrounded the plot of land, everything seemed to get very still and very quiet. We could not even hear the wind anymore which was strange as it had been breezy as we got out of the car. It was so silent that even whispering in our steps in the gravel seemed, pun absolutely not intended, loud enough to wake the dead. Though there were no lights in or near the cemetery, there was enough moonlight filtering through the clouds to allow us to see well. We soon realized we had no idea where the fabled haunted mausoleum was, but kept walking anyway. We made a random left turn, and lo and behold, there it was, about 30 yards or so in front of us. Surprisingly, we had great luck, right? I don't think so. As we approached, I began to feel almost an electric sort of energy in my fingers and hands, but I wrote this off as just nerves or something due to breaking the law. We reached the tomb, and this thing is absolutely huge. It was easily twice my height, at the very least and made of weathered gray stone with moss and lichen growing sparsely on it. We stare at it for a moment and Emma whispers, You should touch it. Being the big bad ghost hunter I am, I oblige. There is really nothing remarkable about the cool roughness of the stone, so I decide to take it a step further and hop up to sit up on the lip of the curved top of the thing. Again, nothing happens, so I jokingly whisper shout, If there's anyone here, any spirits or anything, come on out. After listening in silence for a second or two, I think, F it, and make my way to the very top where the kid is rumored to have been pushed off by ghostly hands. I have Emma snap a photo or two of me before climbing back down. Slightly disappointed by the lack of spooky encounters, we agree to head out and are about to do just that when we see a pair of headlights slowly creeping down the road that borders one side of the graveyard. We immediately assumed someone noticed us and called the cops, so we crouched down behind some bushes with the mausoleum directly to our left. Both of us are completely silent except for our breathing as we watch the vehicle slowly make its way down the street. I am watching its taillights turn the corner when I hear a low, creepy, menacing laugh coming from right behind me. It sounded so strange, like it was a few feet away but also right in my ear at the same time. I'm freaked out, and I'm about to chalk it up to adrenaline-induced hallucination, 
when Emma, who is standing to my left, whispers, Hey, did you hear that? My blood ran cold as I slowly nod a silent, Yes, I did. I cautiously turn my head to one direction and try to see if I can hear it. I kid you not. I didn't hear anything, but what I did see was a dark figure stand up from behind one of the headstones not ten feet away from us. I scream bloody murder and somehow end up on the ground as the next thing I know Emma is pulling at my arm shouting, We have to run! We need to get out of here! Come on! I let her pull me to my feet and lead me blindly by the hand. We are full out sprinting, tripping over gravestones and plants and who knows what else in the dark. We cannot even find the exit in our panic. We finally reach a gap in the fence and I can feel the tears streaming down my face as I run for my life down the middle of the road, not even paying attention to the oncoming headlights until I nearly run into them. Luckily it was the car containing the rest of our friends and we rip the door open and throw ourselves inside screaming, Go! Go! Please just drive! Before we even bothered to sit in an actual seat or shut the door. I cannot for the life of me remember who was driving, but I think our panic and terror shook them enough that they did exactly what we asked of them and sped away back to the bar. They kept asking us what happened and if we were okay, but we would not calm down enough to answer them until we were back inside the bar and sat down. Still shaking and out of breath, we recounted our story to all of them, drunk parents included. I think a lot of them were skeptical, and honestly, I would have been too if I had not experienced it myself. In the weeks that followed, I felt the same eerie energy the boys in the legend describe hanging over my head. Personally, I attribute it more to paranoia after being scared out of my mind by something I could not actually see, but it made me feel uneasy nonetheless. It has been a few years since this happened and I still cannot think of a single, logical explanation for what actually happened that night. While I have no idea how credible anyone else's reported experiences on this show are, I know we were without a doubt the only people in that graveyard or even on the streets for that matter, and we would have heard someone trying to sneak up on us. The sound of that laugh was so unnatural. I cannot get it out of my head. Even now, I have never been more scared than I was that night. And I now know what people mean when they talk about not being able to fully believe in the paranormal until you have experienced it firsthand. Anyway, I just thought I would share this experience with you. I hope you enjoyed it. I have been a paranormal investigator since 2005. I started this because I've always been fascinated by the paranormal, not because I've had many experiences that I can remember. So I was a bit skeptical of most people claiming to have ghostly encounters, although I do have an incredibly open mind. When I first started out, I took some classes on learning what to do. At the end of the series of classes, our instructor, a man named Neil McNeil, took us to an amazing town called Port Gamble, Washington. The last day of the class, we got to investigate an abandoned mansion called the Walker Ames House. This house is beautiful, but it has not been lived in for decades. The town keeps it up as much as they can for special events, etc., but it is not up to code to have anyone live in it permanently. Neil told us the history of the house and the ghost stories. In my mind, 
I was thinking this was just going to be a fun night exploring an old historic lumber mill home. I did not think that it would change my life forever. As I said, at the time I am a full skeptic. My mind cannot easily be changed or fooled by people. I must see things for myself. There were six of us in the house that night. Neil split us up into two groups. One group went down to the basement and we stayed on the second floor. He had just warned us to stay out of this little hallway by the attic door. It was between the bathroom and the landing, because he was feeling a strong presence there of something evil. In my mind, I thought, sure you did, sarcastically, and walked to a far bedroom. I heard him in another room answering questions of another investigator, but when I came out, I saw his shadow in the hallway, the little hallway he told us not to stand in. As I started to walk over there to see what he was doing, the shadow quickly came toward me and disappeared. I stood there staring for just a second and was kind of stunned. I still heard Neil and the other person talking, but the shadow was gone. I could not process it. I went around the corner and saw them talking in the little room right around the corner of the bathroom. I interrupted them. Who, who was just standing in the hallway? I said it way too loudly. Neil looked at me for a second and then said, Um, June, no one was standing in the hallway. I replied, No, someone was standing in the hallway. I saw their shadow and it's gone now. He looked at me and smiled and asked what the shadow looked like. I saw a dark black shadow. It looked a little short, thick in the middle and bald with a round head. It was still light outside, but the sun was setting and all the shadows were elongated. This one was standing straight up and down. I even went downstairs outside and found a leaf and tore it down and made it into the shape of a person to put it up to the stained glass window just in case it was natural. And nope. It wasn't. I was at a loss for words. When finally, I could not come up with an explanation for it, Neil told me, unbeknownst to me, several people had seen shadows of people upstairs and several people reported seeing a shadow of a short, fat, bald man. I was not the only one. At that moment, while he was telling me this, we heard a yelp from the stairway. Another person coming up the stairway said she swore that she just saw the shadow of a person running across the landing and it disappeared. After that night, I realized I was hooked forever being a ghost hunter. Man, these stories were definitely scary and will have me looking over my shoulder tonight while I'm walking down my dark hallway. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton and subscribe to the channel as I upload brand new videos just like this almost every single day in all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, submit it at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp.